0: Hi, this is Basketball Hall of Famer Nancy Lieberman, and you're listening to The Monarchist.
1: I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to The Monarchist Podcast. It's a rainy and dreary day here in the 757, but one thing that isn't dreary is Old Dominion women's basketball. The ladies are really starting to build some momentum as the conference tournament draws near. Today, we welcome coach Delicia Milton-Jones back to the show. Coach, welcome to the best and only ODU podcast.
2: <laughs> Thank you, it's always a pleasure being able to talk with the two of you. Michael and Aaron. you guys do a fabulous job and I love the fact that you love ODU uh, the way that you do
0: thank you so much for joining us again, Coach. Uh, after two games in conference play, this team was 0-2. They were in the midst of a four-game losing streak and had an 8-7 and overall record. You all have since won 10 of your last 12, We're tied with two other teams in second place, and are only one game out of first. What has been the biggest catalyst to this season's success and that turnaround?
2: I think the biggest catalyst to our uh, success and turnaround would be Consistently persevering. We knew that how we opened up the season in conference play wasn't a true depiction of who we were in the moment and who we are be- trying to become. We were without our star player, Amari Young. Uh, she suffered something traumatic within within her family when her father passed away rather suddenly um, during the Christmas holidays. So we had to go on the road with heavy hearts, minus one of our um staple points within our program and we suffered two losses. And now when you look back on that and you see how we bounced back from that to this point, you can see that um, we are a team that is building something pretty powerful and we had to claw our way back to the top. And it's been a cluster of teams that have been fighting for dear life with every passing game in the Sunbelt conference and we managed to weather the storm, go on a nine-game home win streak. Now we're on a five-game win streak after we suffered that loss against Texas State. And we're we're finding our balance while we have found our identity. And our identity is solely on the defensive end of the floor. That's an area where we know we have control over and we can dictate things. Offensively, we don't know whether we're going to make or miss shots. We have confidence that everyone we take is going to go in, but it could just be a night where the iron is unkind. So we don't hang our hat on what we do offensively. We hang our hat on what we do defensively because that can start runs for us, that can end runs for the other team, and it can always have us in a position to be in ball games.
1: So coach, one thing that we've talked with, I say other coach Jones uh, about (laughs) the men's game is, there's been a significant difference in play between Conference USA and Sunbelt, and you said in the men's game, it's a much more physical game and the officials really have let it kind of go. And the women's side of the house, can you talk to Monarch Nation a little bit about any differences that you've noticed in uh, both officiating and the style of play in the Sunbelt versus last year in Conference USA? Yes, uh, with
2: with Conference USA, that was a conference where um, you had good balance and you could tell that coaches had more control of the game in terms of how how it flowed. And uh, the officials, they officiated the game in a way to where the the players dictated a lot of things. Now, in the Sunbelt Conference, what I've noticed is this league is fast and it's athletic and um, it's heavy in guard play. And I think the most difficult thing that, that these officials in the Sunbelt Conference have in front of them is, How do you officiate a game that is so fast and explosive and athletic? Sometimes athleticism gets you punished in the Sunbelt, and it drives me bonkers on the sidelines when Amari Young, long, explosive, and athletic, where she's now getting in foul trouble when y'all have watched her play all year long the same way, but now all of a sudden she's picking up two fouls quick. She Amari is the type of player where she can be in a pick-and-roll situation and hedging out hard to make the ball go away from the basket and be able to get back to her man before the pass even gets to her man. And the refs punish her for that when she's able to get back in front of someone and cut them off, and now they have to do something unorthodox, and the ref is like, oh, she most definitely had to have fouled in order for that girl to – trip up over her own feet and it's like no she's just that athletic so don't punish her for the beautiful abilities that God has given her or the fact that she can meet a lot of people at the rim you don't see a lot of girls that can jump with a 30 something inch vertical and be able to meet someone at the rim she gets punished for stuff like that too so the athleticism is something that really plagues the officiating I feel sometimes to where they have to make some split decision calls that can usually go against the player that is athletic. And we pride ourselves on showcasing our athletic ability through how we cover space on the floor. I want my players to play like a bunch of safeties out there um, that you would see on a football field. Cover, eat up ground, eat up court, eat up field, guard your yard type mentality, and be disruptive. But sometimes that gets us into trouble when you're looking at Kate Clark, who averages is about five steals a game. And then you have Amari Young being disrupted with her length and being able to get deflections or knocking passes down, um, air passes down to post players. So this league has a lot of excitement to it, but there is a healthy dose of physicality as well. And I wish that more officials would allow these women to showcase the fact that we get in the weight room and we hee-ho with the best of them we can clang and bang with the best of them. And now, when we get on the court, we want to put that physical exertion on full display. They're not used to women playing that strong and that physical. And as soon as it arises, then the whistle starts becoming more frequently blown. And that's where the game is interrupted. And now the officials have a play on the game rather than the players.
0: All right, Coach. So last week, an article was written by Harry, the great Harry Minium um, about. Our attendance for men's and women's basketball where we're leading in both i'd like to get your thoughts on our fan support compared to the rest of the league but also uh, what can we do to keep improving those numbers
2: yes I, i'm appreciative of the article by um harry Minium where he spoke about you know the attendance and us being tops of the sunbelt conference this is great and this is true but uh being a coach and being a former player i'm happy, but I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied because while we do have a strong, faithful group of fans that show up for us night in and night out, some even travel to watch us play on the road, I'm grateful for that. But there still are empty seats, and I want the place to be filled to the capacity uh, because the brand of basketball that we play is one that is exciting and it can give you all of the highs and lows uh, that the the game deserves to give. I love it when the fans are on the edge of their seat and and they're biting their nails and, man, we got to hit this free throw or we need this big three or we need this defensive stop. You're going to get all of those beautiful plays within the game that we play. And for them to come out and see that once is enough for them to become hooked to want to come back again. I'm just, I'm very thankful for the article, but at the same time, uh, I really want our fans to know that while we have that steady group, we still need more of the community, whether it's Norfolk, um, community of Norfolk or the community of ODU to come out and support.
1: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, We talked about this before we started recording a little bit and I know that we're guilty of not getting out to as many games as we'd like, but. We've been to been to some of them, and I will attest that I'm a pretty passionate fan. Mike can attest that I might be on the uh, crazier end of uh, some of my my cheering, but I will tell you, I shared this with my wife the other night that some of the people at your games made me feel like I wasn't up to par. I mean there there are some um, there are some I don't even know the right way to put it. They, they are emotionally invested 100% in the <laughs> success and failure of you and your squad. Um, <laughs> if you could double the number of folks that are like that, that place would be really loud. And the <laughs> officials, the officials hear some interesting things from those crowds. If they think, if if folks think that they have missed a call or made a mistake or aren't calling it both ways, there nobody is biting their tongue. In the TED.
2: <laughs> no, I've heard some interesting stories. Uh, the, the game last night, I didn't know that a fan walked up t- <laughs> to one of the officials or tried to and took their glasses and was like, here, you need these. <laughs> I was like, no way on God's green earth did that happen. But it did. And I've even heard fans, you know, yelling, um, the ones that sit behind the bench, and they're like, this game is on the coaches. The substitutions were horrible. And I'm just like, okay, now you're going too far. Just sit back and enjoy the game because you really don't understand what's going on on these sidelines. You're coming to watch a group of people play a sport and you're here to also watch a group of coaches manage a sport. But what you fail to realize is that there's so many emotional and mental ebbs and flows that these young student athletes are going through to get them to the point where they're ready to even play a game it is you guys won't even begin to, you can't even begin to imagine what we have to do as coaches uh to talk them off the edge or to to get them out of a slump mentally or emotionally or the things that they deal with in life not just class but in life that can that can really just pull the emergency brakes on everything that they're going through so I want the fans to be true aficionados where they're coming and they are screaming with reckless abandon, but never ever get to the point where you turn on your own people because we're trying, they're they're trying their hardest. We're trying our hardest and we all want to win.
1: Yeah, 100% for sure. Um, I was fortunate enough to get out to the game Thursday night against Georgia Southern and Y'all ended the first two quarters on huge three-pointers. And then in the third, the third quarter, like you went on a run and there just seemed to be a huge energy burst. Talk to us a little bit about that game and kind of what happened there.
2: So the Georgia Southern game, it, I felt like we started a little slow. And I don't know if we were sitting back waiting to see what type of intensity Georgia Southern was going to bring uh, or what. But I told my players, I said, hey, you guys, what are we waiting on? We're supposed to be the ones coming out and setting the tone. We're supposed to be the one taking the first swing and letting letting it be a haymaker. You know, if we connect, it's over. And even if we miss, at least they know they're in for a fight. Well, once we finally got ourselves together, we were able to get two big threes. One of them came off of the defensive efforts of Kay Clark. She gets a steal. Boom, we come down the court wham we get a three and then uh, then Brianna Jackson she gets the huge block or the charge I believe and then uh, we come back down on the other end and then she hits a corner three so it was a game where based off of the efforts that we put in on the defensive end there were some clutch plays that happened that rolled over to the offensive end where we were allowed to be successful and it just so happened to be behind the three-point line so when you're hitting those type of shots it's a morale boost, not just for your players, but for the entire environment. So everyone in the gym felt that, and there was a complete shift in the atmosphere. And I think our opponents knew at that moment, oh, my gosh, not only are we playing against the five players on the court, but we're also playing against the six man and the six woman in the stands, and they could feel that.
0: So on Saturday, Georgia State came into town. We win the game. Uh, That second quarter defensively seems to be the difference in this one. You hold them to, what, 15% shooting in the quarter, Mm -hmm. six points overall, only four from the floor. Pretty impressive effort in that quarter. What was it about that quarter that made the defense so effective?
2: I think that quarter uh, we really made it difficult for them to, to get things at the rim, whether it was them trying to throw the ball in, to Meryl, number 11, their big time presence in the paint, or whether they were trying to go to number two and allow her to attack the rim downhill. I felt like our pick and roll coverages were on point and defensively as a unit, we were in our gaps and eating up space by creating walls. And usually if someone wants to go through a wall, it's probably going to hurt them in some form or fashion. So we try to make sure we have our walls intact to make sure that players have a difficult time of getting to what they ultimately want to do. We play a lot of our system based off of personnel. The other team's personnel, if they love going right, then we're going to try to make them go left. And we're going to make them go left often. If they want to force the issue going right, then they're going to run into a wall and um, make life difficult there too. So that second quarter, it was a lot of that going on. and then third quarter came and they kept fighting and they never gave up and they were able to get back into the game. And we found ourselves in a position where we had to make a decision. It's not going to be us relying on the shots that we make. It's going to be us relying on the stops that we get that can turn into opportunities for us offensively. So we did that in that last three, four minutes of that fourth quarter. That's when things started to turn for us. And once again, Kay Clark gets a key steal. Then come down, and Michaela Dickens gets a wide open three um, on the left hand wing. And that was the momentum shifter for us right there. Uh, so, once again, Kay Clark comes to save the day with her defensive efforts, and she gets the hockey assist on the other end by Michaela Dickens hitting the big shot.
1: Just like you were talking about, uh, or as we were talking about earlier with the officiating, if I remember correctly, Kay had four fouls at that point, too. So, yeah. she's having to. She's having to manage that and make sure that she makes smart decisions because she's needed. She doesn't want to exit the game early and to be able to come up big like that is a testament to her ability to manage the game.
2: No doubt. And that was a conversation her and I had in um, uh, one of our film sessions. I believe it was yesterday morning or either on um, Friday morning when we had film session before practice. Her and I spoke and I said, okay, Kay, I said, look, There's something beautiful about your game and the way that you can anticipate and you can disrupt things by going in and getting steals. But you have to understand time, score and situation. If we are trying to make a run and we're fighting back from a 10 point deficit and you can go and gamble and try to steal a ball that might be a little risky, whether or not you're fouling or not, go for it. But if if we're uh, down one, and it's 45 seconds on the shot clock and we're on the defensive end, now is not the time to to gamble. We just need the solid possession so we can get the ball and now we're still only down one offensively. But if you gamble and then now they kick it out or you get a bad call and you have to exit the game, that team can shoot free throws and they can go up three or potentially go up four if you give up a wide open three. So it's just about um, understanding uh, where you're at in a point of the game, and how, how much you can lean on being risky over just being solid. And I think she learned that lesson last night, and I'm glad to see her play with four fouls and still be able to come up with a key play for us.
1: All right, so we've talked about winning 10 of the last 12, the streak that you guys are on, or that you ladies are on. Mm-hmm. But this week, back at home, and it's payback week. So let's talk about that a little bit. we got JMU and App State, actually in the opposite order, App State and JMU, I think,
2: Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm.
1: here. Let's talk about that a little bit, Coach. Tell fans what we should expect here and why folks should get out to the TED.
2: So with the two games that we have coming up, yes, you can label it however you want. Payback. uh, We like to have the mindset of redemption. We want to right a wrong. Because we feel like we should have won those games. And if circumstances were different, then – It would have been different, but we will never know what we do have in front of us is an opportunity to play them again in hopes of splitting that series. We don't want anyone to sweep us this entire year. So this coming Thursday and Saturday, you're going to see a lot of intense physical basketball. Um, It's probably going to come down to um, a set of plays you know, whether it's on the defensive end or the offensive end. And we want our fans to come out and be an intricate part of that success. You know, having them in the stands, knowing that they're going to be there getting on the reps, knowing that they're going to be there yelling like crazy and be, being a distraction to the other team when they may be on the free throw line or it's a, it's a period in the game where we're pressing and we have the team throwing the ball all over the gym. That noise from the fan, that's that cheering, can allow them to turn that ball over, miss that free throw that will allow us to regain possession and um, either go up even more with our lead or catch up if we happen to be down. So it's gonna be a great week. It's alumni weekend and it's senior night all all packed into this week. So come out and see some of the ODU's greatest, come back and support their home team on alumni night And then you can also come and celebrate our seniors that are exiting the program, uh, ready to go into the real world, and you can support them as well.
1: So that's two awesome reasons in addition to just coming out to watch some great basketball. So obviously Thursday is senior night. So no excuses, folks get out there. And unless you, uh, unless you're at work or something, get to the game. Saturday, I don't know if you can tell folks, but, can you pull a curtain back on who might be coming back alumni-wise?
2: Well, we're, we're still trying to get the confirmed list, but right now we have 30 confirmed, uh, 30 of our former alumni. Um, you'll see, I know Wendy Larry will be there in attendance. You know, she was a very successful coach here at ODU. And if and if the queen herself, Larry, uh, Wendy Larry is coming back, then you know uh, that '97 that she had, you know we're hoping for them to come back so that we can celebrate them and if that's the case then you'll see Tisha Pinachero Clarice Moshenguana uh, Marie Andrade uh, uh, you'll see a lot of old heads that are coming back that did tremendous things I'm even hoping Marianne Stanley um, that she will come back as well too so it's gonna be a night filled with a lot of electricity and I hope that the energy that they all bring will help support us in winning a big game.
0: Well, you mentioned Senior Night as well. This is a pretty big group of seniors. I guess it's, what, is it six? We have yeah. listed as six. either a grad student or a senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked a lot about Kate Clark and her uh, ability to steal the basketball on this episode. What about this group of seniors do you appreciate the most?
2: The thing that I appreciate the most about this group of seniors would be uh, their coachability. You know, they, they're coming from different situations. Kay and Amari, they've been here, Amari three years with me, Kay two years with me, uh, but the others, this is their first time you know, here with me. So for them to come from where they've come from and be able to allow themselves to be a blank canvas for me to paint upon I think that's probably the best gift that they could have ever given me as a coach. And that has allowed us to learn a lot in a short period of time. But that also means that we had some very intense um, and electrifying moments every single day in practice where we had to break old habits or erase old teachings for them to be able to come to a point where they can grasp whatever it was that my philosophy or system is that we needed in play. So it speaks volumes about who they are as individuals, as well as who they are as players and how much they wanna dedicate themselves to the success of ODU women's basketball.
1: All right, so two games this week, they're huge. I'm sure as we close out the show in a little bit, we'll make another rallying cry to get folks out to those games. But before we do, obviously the conference tournament is right around the corner. Yes. Um trip to Pensacola, things are lining up here at the end of the season. You may not even thought about it yet. I know when we talked to to coach Jones about the men's game, he's typically he's always saying that the next game is the most important and not looking ahead. Mm-hmm. But from the perspective of this conference tournament and how it's laid out with the structure, have you guys talked about the conference tournament and preparing for it at all or Have you not even even thought about it yet?
2: We have talked about it, but it's probably in a way that um, many may not expect. um, Meaning, from the start of conference play, while we were in non-conference schedule, I'll take you guys all the way back. So while we were in non-conference schedule, we we had our sights set on using non-conference to prepare for conference and now that we're in conference we're using conference play as well as what we learned from non-conference to have us right and ready for conference tournament time so yes we are looking ahead but we still are very conscious of what's in front of us we're going to play the games that need to be played with the focus and the intentionality attached to it that needs to be given but then our sights are set on reaching our mark and our mark is to get into that championship game of the conference tournament and in order to ready ourselves for that we have to go through what we're going through full speed ahead meeting it head on and being conscious of not getting too far ahead to where we lose sight of what's in front of us so we want to win these games that are in front of us because it ultimately prepares us and sets the table for us to be able to compete in the conference tournament in a way that could be comfortable for us if we finish in that top four kudos to the work that has been done and we play the games that need to be played to help us get to the championship game if we happen to not fall in that top four then no problem we have still done the work to prepare us for a conference tournament we want to go in healthy happy and confident and if we can do those three things then we're setting ourselves up for success
1: if you're in the top four, you avoid those Tuesday-Wednesday games, correct?
2: Exactly. Which is get- more,
1: spread out, more spread out than the men's game because they have, what, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, I think. Yours is a little different.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, you know, we, we're going to play them however they come. And, I mean, it's a new season at that point. So where some of the teams may have only won a handful of games in conference play, they can shake that off and have a newfound sense of confidence about themselves because everyone's 0-0, and all it takes is just to win one game. Uh, My first year here, the COVID year, we had to go on a four-game win streak in order to make it to the semifinals, and we had eight players on the roster, eight players, and and our starting point guard went down the game before, so she didn't play in the semifinal game that we were in, and that was just a, a crushing blow to us. But you can get hot. You can get hot and you can go streaking and you can go far in the tournament as long as you're healthy and your players are confident and you give yourselves a chance.
0: All right, Coach, before we end here, I'd love to hear coming into the Sun Belt what your biggest expectations were and what what you've learned has been the biggest surprise to you. Uh,
2: Coming into the Sun Belt Conference, uh, my biggest expectation was what is this conference about? What are we walking into? Uh, so my, my bis- biggest expectation would be the unexpected. I didn't know <laughs> what was around the corner. And we can look at teams on film and non-conference play and kind of get an idea, but conference in itself is, is conference in itself. And we had to really sit back and take assessment, but not get too carried away about trying to figure out our opponents, but it was more so about who we were and how we were gonna present ourselves. And if we can hone in on that identity, then we can go into every game uh, feeling confident and really really forcing the fact that we're gonna put our fingerprint on every gym that we enter into and play ODU style basketball. Um, now that we've been through this thing, uh, almost seeing every team outside of Troy, uh, I think that uh, nothing surprises me uh, you know outside of the athleticism and any team can beat you on any given night you can't look at a team's record and think that oh you know they're five and eight or they're four and nine um, that it's going to be an easy win no for some of these teams it's a matter of a bucket or two um, that can make a difference in their record so we're not going to fall for that banana in the tailpipe type mentality uh, but we definitely are going to make sure we handle our business
1: I've got to go here now. The whole banana in the tailpipe, big Beverly Hills cop uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> fan
1: here. But so we do the podcast with the men's team and we ask on every episode what their favorite basketball movie is. Oh. And Mike can attest here that your movie has come up probably at least half the time, I would think, or close to it. Wow. And Mike, why don't you share with Coach what the coaches, what the players' uh, reactions are to when you ask them this question?
0: So I always ask them if they know about your connection to the movie, Love and Basketball, and none of them know it. But they're all shocked and kind of in awe of it. And Dorico Williams actually asked a question about how you feel about that movie now, looking back. What does that memory mean to you?
2: Wow. Um, I think it's pretty freaking cool knowing that I did something that a lot of people love um, outside of playing the sport. People can appreciate what I did on the court, but behind the movie screen, even though I didn't have a talking role, the fact that I was in one of the coolest basketball movies ever made, uh, that really makes me feel special. Uh, Sometimes when I'm talking to recruits, they know me more so from being in the movie than from who I was as a basketball player and I'm like ah that's a blow to my ego you know I want you to know who I am as a basketball player but whatever it takes for them to want to fall in love with ODU I'ma take it but such a cool opportunity uh, to be amongst some of the the, uh, the acting world's best in sanai latham uh, michael Epps, and then you have shaquille you know having his uh, cameo appearance i thought it was the best thing ever um they actually did that in a real game they set the whole scene up and they told us you know we're going to do your regular introduction so we don't want to interrupt the game and its flow uh, but we want to get this scene from the movie and it was perfect because we did the introductions they just added Sania in for one of my teammates, I believe uh, uh, maybe, was it Lakeisha Fred? I'm not sure who got X'd out, but she did her part. We waved, broke the huddle, she left and it was game time. Uh, so it it was a great day. And now looking back on it and having those memories attached to it, it just makes it even more special. Even the behind the scenes stuff where she would come to our practices just to sit and watch because she was learning how to play basketball. And she would have private sessions with one of our assistant coaches, Colleen Matsahara. and uh, she would teach her how to dribble so, so the dribble scenes would look realistic. Uh, it, it was just great. It was great.
0: Oh, well, that's awesome. Thank you for giving us some more detail on that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Do you have, a, before we go, do you have a message you want to give to Old Dominion fans?
2: Yeah, I want our Old Dominion fans to know that we love and adore them, and we hear you, and we appreciate it. Um, You guys are loud. You guys are proud. And for the the ones that do come back, our faithful few, we want you to bring about 10 of your friends. Because imagine, if you guys can have the impact you have, imagine that times 10. If everyone brought 10 of their friends and we get this place packed, it would be rocking. When I hear about all the stories of back in the day when the games were played in the, was it the, 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 field house? I believe is what it was called
1: Yeah, the field house. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to go to many games at the field house just because where I was, but I did get to go to one where we we're playing. Yukon Diana Tarasi was on that team and that place was crazy.
2: Yeah. Um, I there heard was stories. Yeah yeah that's what we're trying to get it back to we have the beautiful chartway arena that we played in it was the ted constance now it's chartway arena uh imagine if if five thousand people came that place would be even louder and i i just think the ambiance is great for basketball um you know the just everything surrounding the game is on point the fans that are there they're, they're involved and they're emotionally intact and in tune with the game and what's going on. They are true fans. I want even more people to come and experience not just us but experience our fans too. and because there's a connection there as well uh, to where they can attract and, and it's an ex- exciting environment and you get to share beers now. you can drink in the you can drink in the arena. <laughs> so why not come out and let your hair down and have a good time?
0: Bring your kids with you because if you've been to a men's game versus a women's game, the team is a lot more uh, approachable. You can meet them and talk to them after the game. That's not really – you can do that with basketball, but you got to wait a while. Um, I love the environment at the women's games. I hope everyone shows up this week to support you guys for Payback Week. Best of luck. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.
2: Thank you, guys.